Welcome back, everybody, to our fourth episode of Time to Shine. Uh, my name's Adrian. Uh, I'm also known as Northern Star on Twitter. And fear not, I am not joined alone. I have my faithful friend Mike here with me. Hello, Mike. I am the faithful sidekick back once again. It's going fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. And to those who, who haven't been listening so far, I'm Adrian. I am known as Northern Star on Twitter. Big Shining Time fan, um, as is as is Mike. So I think we're a pretty good. I think we're a pretty good pair. <laughs> I think we, we make a pretty dynamic duo in this regard. <laughs> uh, and so today we're kind of continuing our little overview. We did season one episodes in the first, season two episodes in the second, and now we're moving on to the third and sadly final season of Shining Time Station. Mm-hmm. So sad, but also not not as sad because we get some real treats this season. We do. Absolutely. Um and Mike, I guess I want to ask like what do you what do you think of season 3 in general as compared to the other two? Season 3 for me is the most nostalgic by mm. a long shot um because I think I mean, I was born early 1992 and i think season three started airing in late 1992 or 1993 yes somewhere around Uh, there when it started airing yeah 93 yeah okay so i mean as i've i've said before uh my first like conscious memory of being alive at all was (laughs) watching thomas so um yeah shining time season three it's funny because when i was re-watching a lot of the series um, I was, you know, as I said, I didn't watch season one until much later in life. That was exciting. Yeah. Season two, I remembered things here and there, but it was amazing how going back through season three and watching it in order, how many things were just coming back to me like, oh, I remember this. And like, you know, it's just it's like you're discovering it again. But, um, you know, there's there's just so many memorable moments in this season. Yeah. And I think you can really tell that, like. This was the one where the writers truly had it down. Like, they'd settled in with the current cast they had. They weren't afraid to play around and just have absolute fun. And I think what people will notice a lot with this season is they only use one Thomas story in a lot of the episodes. Yeah. And I know for some people, you know, the, the less Thomas, the worse it is. But... um from from my standpoint, at least <laughs> not not for us, not from our standpoints, you really notice that, like, as you watch more of the season, you don't really miss that second Thomas story because they're doing so many fun things with the cast and with the plot of the station itself. Yes, it's just such a joy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think some episodes with and, and we'll, I think, look at this in Mysterious Stranger with two Thomas stories can sometimes start to mm-hmm. feel a bit overladen, kind of a bit. Mm-hmm um heavy so that's a really good point i think i think the show is a very well-oiled machine by season three and um like you said the writers have got things down pat um season three was actually the first season that i remember experiencing new episodes for because when my grandma started recording season two for me and then i think most i think she just did most of it on one tape so i kind of watched the whole thing at once and then I remember her being like, there are new episodes. And so I remember watching those for the first time. And that was exciting, seeing new Thomas stories that I hadn't seen before. Because um, yeah. I hadn't seen them on home video yet. Released in Shining Time episodes was really cool. 
because as somebody who had just seen the same <laughs> the same stories for well i mean well that's not entirely true there were some season three stories uh of thomas in season two but to see uh like series three b episodes mm-hmm. in season three of shining time and sorry if i'm confusing folks who aren't aware the third series of thomas the tank engine was shot in two parts they had a and b um and uh and so yeah some of those later episodes were in season three and so that was kind of exciting and novel um and i remember that was some of the more kind of fun colorful episodes uh and interestingly it was the longest season to shoot rick sigleco said they shot in almost every season of the year uh in toronto for that yeah for that third season so it was a long shoot um, they covered a lot of ground. It has the most episodes out of any season. Mm-hmm. So they were working really hard at that point. Um, yeah. Now, do you, cause you have memories specifically of like when it was brand new to you. Um, do you have any, is there one like standout moment of season three that you always go back to that you can remember like vividly seeing for the first time? That's a good question. I think I probably remember, I remember the first episodes that were on the tape, which were, there was Mr. Conductor's 4th of July. So I remember yeah. that very well. And I think um, the story is, is it Tender Engines? Uh, Escape in 4th of July. Escape in 4th of July, sorry, yes. And then I think... Um, Tender Engines is a in, in a different one. I can't remember which one, but I, I think that one's in Mr. Conductor's movie, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, yes, yes. So usually, like, yeah, the first one or two kind of struck me, and it was just nice to see new, new Shining Time Station. Um, interestingly, like reflecting back on it now, I'd probably say season three is my least favorite season mm-hmm. overall. Um, I there are like some standout episodes for me that I really do like, um, mm-hmm. but there was yeah, there was a way that it started to get. Um, some of the ideas were a bit too out there for me mm-hmm. and some of the stories felt a little rushed like the writing and so I think I I think looking back on it I miss some of the kind of lulling pace and some of the heart that season one and two had for me um, mm-hmm. and I think I'm just more of a slower paced guy anyway so yeah. it's, it's not it's not my standout season but I of course still enjoy it and love it and you know and there are certain episodes that will hit harder like the heart of the last episode of the series um, mm-hmm. really kind of touched me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. I wouldn't say it's my favorite overall season, but when they hit their stride with a lot of the episodes, it's real memorable and it stands out for sure. Yeah, they're fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun yeah. season. And I think Schemer in particular uh, really has some standout episodes. Oh, yeah, where sure. you just it really does focus on Brian's comedic ability and genius. And and I, I remember loving that, like in a Fortune Teller Schemer and even in oh, that's um, one of my favorites. I know it's so <laughs> funny. Schemo, Schemo, Hell Schemo. <laughs> and it's funny. Um, my one of my friends was watching it for the first time the other day on my recommendation and and he uh he mentioned about Ginny's hair. <laughs> yeah. dark and it's looking back, I'm like, oh my God, it's so obviously a wig. But as a kid, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> um, 
But lots, lots of ground to cover, but we're going to give you a little taster, and, and Mike and I have each chosen two episodes today, and the first that we're going to start with is the seventh episode of the third series uh, called Billy's Party. That is correct. So uh, we chose this one uh, in a little bit of a cheeky way because uh, <laughs> recently Canadian Thanksgiving has passed, so I figured it would be an appropriate episode to choose to uh, to discuss in our season three taster episode here. <laughs> Not that many Americans actually know that, but I, <laughs> when I yeah, tell people, they're yeah. like really surprised, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's a thing." They're like, "Oh, it's so early." Yeah, for for those unaware, uh, Canada is is a bit unique in that we celebrate Thanksgiving in October as opposed to November. Uh, yes. So there you are. So uh, this episode, as Adrian said, is titled "Billy's Party." A uh, bit of a rundown of the plot here. Obviously, it is Thanksgiving at Shining Time Station, and the station is very busy. Uh, everyone is rushing about trying to get to their respective destinations. And one of the central points of the episode is that Billy has been invited to a special party with many railroad folk known as the Boomers and the Hobos. Uh, of course, things don't go to plan. Billy is constantly being interrupted with things whether it's having to fix an engine so they can get extra trains running, uh, getting Ginny over to, uh, was it Dilly Lick, I believe, Adrian? I Dilly think Lick so. to get a I chicken, so. or a turkey, rather. Um, <laughs> so many birds, you know? Gobble, gobble. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Um, and then, of course, uh, having to rescue Schemer, who, donned in his pilgrimage fit, uh, is trying to get passengers to give him gifts throughout the whole episode, uh, gets on a train, and Billy has to chase him down. The ending of the episode is very wholesome. It ends with Billy alone in the train station, thinking that he will be stranded for Thanksgiving, only to be surprised by everyone coming back to the station to celebrate with him in a very special way. Look, we railroad people have to find our Thanksgiving wherever we can. Do you have room for one more? Oh, of course we do. Of course we do. It's quite a lovely ending. Um, it fills my heart with joy. I will say, and I never grew up with this episode, so I watched it, I think, for the first time a year or two ago, and it was nice to be able to watch it again, just to get that. It's it's so it's so odd, you know, watching a show that you've seen so many times as a kid, but then seeing new episodes of it when you're older, or not new, but mm -hmm. new to you. Yeah. Um, it is a sweet story. Yeah, I agree. I I also don't really remember this one from when I was a kid, but... In rewatching the series, it's one of the episodes that I found myself continually going back to just because it's such a feel good episode. It really is. What What are some of um, your. Like you said, you don't really remember it, but overall, what are some standout kind of moments in the episode for you or general impressions? Oh, man. Well, I think we have to start off, of course, with uh, with the legendary Brian O'Connor, uh, his his schemer in this episode. Uh, the schemer is basically dressed as a pilgrim promoting the Thanksgiving of the future, as he puts it, uh, wherein he uh, basically gets gifts from people and responds with, why, thanks. Thanks for giving. <laughs> In other words, they'll give me something and I will say, why, thanks. Thanks for giving. <laughs> Pretty great, huh? I, I, I love schemer's just unfiltered selfishness. There's something about... The way I don't know if you called the id or whatever you call it, that he just sort of uh -huh. he's just like, what about me? And 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 he really goes there and he's just a character, I think, that is not I don't want to say easy to write, but you can put him in any situation and guess like, 
okay, yeah, Thanksgiving schemer would want everyone to give him thanks, not the other way around. It's just yeah. such a lovely way that you can reverse it, but he's not he's not cruel about it either. Like he's not too vindictive, and by the end he comes around a bit. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember I think it was when it may have been an interview in the lead up to series three, but they were I think it was Entertainment Tonight was doing something uh on the set of Shining Time Station. Yeah. Uh and they were interviewing a child psychologist and the psychologist made specific note of schemer and how they hoped that kids weren't like you know taking after him and you watch episodes like these and it's like how could any kid oh, think know. that schemer's behavior is anything to model yourself after I know. like it's written in, in such a clear way that like I, I, even as a kid i was like this is just for comedy like no yeah. one would ever want to be this guy <laughs> And I will, I will say, like as a therapist myself, I disagree with that psychologist's comments. I think it was with, um, it was the morning show with Katie Couric, I think. Yes, um, yes, yes, and yes. Katie's right. like, hey, that schemer is a real dirtbag. I remember she said that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the psychologist is like, oh yes, I hope, you know, oh I don't know if that's okay for kids to, you know, be. And uh, again, I think it kind of annoys me because, um, ki- kids know the difference between right and wrong inherently. And I think they know that schemer is this silly, goofy character that gets things wrong. You know, Rick pointed that out in an interview. He said he, he like kids, kids do point that out. They, they can make that distinction. They don't need some adult, you know, being, I don't know, sanitizing everything. I think it's good mm-hmm. that we have somebody who is getting things wrong and, and being selfish so that you can just see that lovely contrast between him and Stacy. Who's just the feel good. Like, share with everyone and <laughs> yeah shining time station was always really good with you know very clearly laying out what is something that you want to aspire to and something you want to shy away from yeah i always felt like with the characters whether they were regulars like schemer or even guest characters um you, you always got a pretty clear sense of you know what was right and what was wrong and i don't think i don't think any kid out there was confused in thinking that schemer was the one to Maybe not take after, you know? <laughs> well, and they never touted what Schemer did as the right thing. They always looked no. back in the end and, and it showed he, I mean, he's usually, let's face it, responsible for his own demise in most of the of situations. Course. And then he's like, oh, and has a bit of a tantrum. And then, mm-hmm. and then Stacey's like, well, you know, you got it. And he's like, well, okay. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, oh, man. Good old yeah, Schemer. So I would say that. And also, I really love the, well, I, there's so many things I love about this episode, but um, <laughs> the uh, the moment of Stacy telling the kids the story about how the boomers and the hobos initially came together. Yeah, uh, that's that's really heartwarming. The Thanksgiving song in the picture machine always gets me and I don't know why. <laughs> it's very sweet. And I love it the, is. And I love it because there are a couple of music videos that were shot in that style, sort of in that big kind of farmhouse with yes. property and people walking out in nature. I relate. I think I related to it as a kid a lot because I grew up in an environment like that. And so when right, I see right. those, those kinds of, of, and it was, she's trying to find her dog and then she sneaks the turkey at the end. It's so sweet. Oh, I think it, it's, the it's, the it's the dog. It's the dog that gets me for it sure. Cause I'm a, dog. I'm a dog lover. <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh. I mean my kitten yeah. is my kitten is sleeping behind me faithfully on the couch. Oh no, she went <laughs> away, but she was as I record as we record this. But yeah, put in an animal and then like Kevin Roth's beautiful dulcet tones and you've got me. Oh, 
and I just butter at the sound of that. So it, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Really... What about you, Adrian? Do you have standouts from this upon rewatching it? Um, in general, uh, I was just thinking. I was thinking about it today. I I think I enjoyed seeing Ginny and Midge, uh, have more of a part in the story. I like it when their characters are utilized. Um, yes, I agree. I think they. I think they strengthen the episode and they just add another layer of complexity, but not in a way that feels overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I do think like for me, they rushed the schemer on the train storyline. Like that was such a blip to me. I was like, what, what happened? And then all of a sudden yeah, it's the end of the episode. So I think that was rushed. Like they could have done without that or something. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I enjoy uh, Midge and Ginny. And I also, I also really enjoy the idea of the table at the station Mm-hmm. Um, for all the dishes because again that's just like oh community feeling and it you know the kids get to be curious and they're like ew what's in under here what's under here and then mr conductor's under one of them which i thought was so <laughs> sweet because again like there's just endless ways that you can make this small man materialize or come into a scene and that totally surprised me i was like what and um, <laughs> he's just like in a little lawn chair you know what yeah. looks like sun tanning and it's very charming um it's a great little segue so i think they did that well uh any any episodes for me that focus on people gathering in the station um makes it feel cozy and warm and so i agree the fact that it ended that way and then everyone kind of comes in and then billy you know billy gets his thanksgiving um you know yeah in the end um i will say i don't know this this episode you know super duper well but Mm -hmm. um so uh, I wonder, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think of the Thomas story? No, oh, we're, we're crossing this bridge already. I'm are so we? <laughs> sorry, but like, I, <laughs> I'm so sorry, All but like, right. it's, a, it's a really hard one to escape. <laughs> it is. Okay. I feel we have to give some background for those who I'm sure most people know the story at this point, but for those who don't a little history lesson, uh, the episode featured in this shining time station story is originally it was called uh, Thomas and Percy's Christmas Adventure. Very typical story. You can see it's clearly in a Christmas setting. Uh, (laughs) Now, when they dubbed the episode for North American audiences, uh, knowing that they were going to have a Thanksgiving episode of Shining Time Station, they altered the script of the episode to instead be about Thanksgiving. Um, Good idea in theory. In practice, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I, I mean, look, the, no one can fault the visuals of season three of Thomas. I think it's stunning. This episode in particular with all the snow and, you know, after the storm and Thomas and Percy trying to go through to the village. Yeah. It's just beautiful sets. Oh, the storm is so nice too. I love, I love the sound. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's so, it's oddly, I know it's supposed to be chaotic, but something about that storm scene is actually kind of like beautiful and soothing to me. Comforting. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. 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 I don't, I can't really explain why, but it just is. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, if they had left it as, a Christmas episode as the original was, I think this would have been, would have been great. Obviously it wouldn't have fit with the shining time station episode. And I get why they changed it to suit that. Um, But I feel like, I don't know. I think if you were going to be filming episodes, knowing that there was going to be 
maybe an American component to it. Maybe they could have done some alternate shots. That would have been cool. I agree. Um, like the shed, you know, not with the Christmas tree. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know how many kids out there must have watched this episode specifically on Shining Time Station yeah. and then gone to their parents and went, so why don't we have a Thanksgiving tree? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. Why aren't we getting Thanksgiving presents? <laughs> no, but I like your point. Why couldn't they have just left it as a Christmas episode? Because I think you could definitely, you know, kind of transplant some of the values from Thanksgiving onto Christmas in terms of, you know, giving to others and, and you know, things like that. Um, it It would have been fine. I think, but I remember, I remember watching this episode as a kid on, I never saw it in Shining Time first. Uh, I saw it on a, I think it was Percy's Ghostly Trek. I didn't think a lot of it, like, because I was like, oh, okay, whatever, like, you know, Thanksgiving, okay, Mountain Adventure, oh, fun. But rewatching it, it does, it does confuse me a little bit. But I, the sentiment is nice still. It's still a sweet story. Yeah, the the sentiment is very nice, and I, again, it's it's a fantastic story. If it had kind of been left intact, even with the edits, it's still you know the idea of a Thanksgiving episode, especially when you think that you know Brit Allcross' vision of Thomas wasn't specifically an island in the UK. Sodor, in her eyes, was meant to be this sort of universal place that could be anywhere for any kid. Right. Uh, the idea of Thanksgiving, in that sense happening on Sodor isn't very far-fetched. No. They just needed a little bit extra in terms of the footage. And and you notice towards the end of the episode, because of what they've had to cut out, it's actually a shorter runtime than the typical Thomas story. Yes. Uh, which usually is four and a half minutes. I believe this one only clocks in at four minutes and ten seconds or something like that. Right. Because um, they have to cut out, like, the Father Christmas bit, right? And Well, yeah, they cut out the whole, obviously, I mean, they had the foresight to cut out the whole ending bit at the sheds where uh, where We Wish You a Merry Christmas is being played. Yes. <laughs> obviously wouldn't fit the Thanksgiving motif, but um, because of that, like the sound effects are off and the music cues are off, so, you know, you hear you hear Percy's whistle when Toby's the one who's coming on screen. Stuff like that. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I mean, the most jar- jarring parts of the episode for me rewatching it were, was the letters, like the mailing, because I was like, people don't really mail each other Thanksgiving mail. Yeah, like that's, yeah, exactly. That's super weird. And then the the tree at the end, it's just starkly obvious. So I, I, I'm surprised that got through. I'm a little sort of like, who let that go? But um, yeah, still sweet. <laughs> yeah. Now I wonder, Adrian. This is sort of a, an off the cuff question, but do you feel like they could have? still kept the shining time episode intact uh but if they had chosen a different thomas story with the moral of potentially being thankful um would it still have worked and which story would you maybe have replaced this one with oh that's that's a very good question and i well you could do a fall theme story couldn't you you um, could i mean we've got we've got the you know, James slipping on the leaves. That's the only fall mm-hmm. one I could think of at the moment. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any in particular? That you... For some reason, the one that is coming to me, well, a bit of a toss up. And I know they were played in season two already, but I would say either, uh, either Thomas gets bumped or trust Thomas. 
because I feel like Thomas gets bumped would make sense because, you know, you have that whole bit at the very end of the episode where, you know, Thomas and Bertie are talking about how thankful they are to have each other as friends who help each other out when needed. That's true. Um, similar thing to trust Thomas, you know, it's, it's highlighting how you're, you know, there for someone and trying to help someone. And in the end, they're, they're grateful for what you do sticks with the Thanksgiving idea i suppose but it's not specifically a thanksgiving episode yeah yeah it's true that definitely could work um it's it's hard to because you know and we'll encounter this in the next episode a bit there weren't really enough thomas episodes sometimes it felt like and and as a kid i got i did start to get really tired of repeats by uh, season three of shining time and then when i rewatched season one again because I was like, oh my god, I know these stories so well. So yeah. <laughs> I think, I think you know, had the shooting of Shining Time coincided more with like the fourth series. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we got that in the family specials, but had Thomas been shot a bit earlier and we got season four a bit earlier, we could have that could have been woven into the show a lot more um, instead of all the repeats. But you know, it's just the way it turns out. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think because when you think about it. Uh, there were only what 10 quote unquote new Thomas stories in this season. Um, Basically. Right. I mean, yeah, it was just the series, the season three B episodes. And then they kind of recycled. Obviously it was new in a sense because it had George's narration as opposed to Ringo's, but there are only 10 um, in three B. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not a lot of new stuff. Only 10 in that. You you never realize how small of a pool it is actually. (laughs) Well, yeah. And then I, again, I remember the excitement of seeing new episodes. I'm like, Oh, thank God. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the engines whistled in delight and everyone agreed that it was a really happy Thanksgiving. In terms of the other components in the episode, what do you think of the song? Uh, Well, we talked to, sorry, we talked about the music video, but in terms of the jukebox song, Yes, uh, the jukebox band in this episode sings a song called We Gathered Together. Uh, their whole segment, oh, no. I think, is, is really funny. It's, you know, you, you watch Tito getting stressed about the turkey, quote unquote, uh, only to find out after the song that the turkey has merely been invited for dinner and they're having vegetables, which I think is such a wholesome little oh, moment. Oh, it's so sweet. It, that actually probably is one of the most like heartwarming moments for me. And the turkey's like, thank goodness. <laughs> you guys are a turkey's best friend. Yeah. Vegetarians. <laughs> oh, it was really, it was really nice. And I like the song and how they're all around the table. It was, it was great. Yeah. And again, this is another song that really shows off uh, just the absolute magic of, you know, the voices combining. Yes. Um, with, you know, Denise Thomas and, uh, I think oh is, it Rory, is it Rory Dodd? I think is it yes, Rory Dodd. That's yeah. I was blanking for some reason. No, no it's okay. But, it's not. It's not um, an unusual name. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I really love their singing voices combined, and this is a another great example of how well they blend together. And yeah, it's a beautiful song overall. It is, and it's also nice because it's in a different setting. So we have it in the dressing room. Yeah, that's and you know what? That's another thing that I have to give season three of Shining Time credit for because. They explore a lot more of the jukebox interior. Yeah. So we see a lot of, you know, we see this dressing room. We see, uh, I think, in Mysterious Stranger, we're going to see uh, Tito's little nickel vault, <laughs> for it, lack of a better absolutely. term. Absolutely, <laughs> It's refreshing. It, I think, like, even just watching it now, it's refreshing to see a different location. Because we're so used to season one 
especially so used to that this kind of similar shots of the jukebox yes absolutely trivia what have you got for us today mike uh well as you may have reckoned this is in fact the only thanksgiving episode of shining time uh i i'm a little bit surprised that they didn't try and do another christmas episode with the new kids oh yeah also could they have done this could they could this have been a christmas episode instead it absolutely could have been. It could if, have if been, they right? had kept the original script of, of Thomas and Percy's Christmas Adventure, they for sure could have made it a Christmas episode. Yeah, it, I mean, it might have made more sense. I do, I mean, I do love Kevin's song. Um, yes, of but course. But again, you could have done a Christmassy version of that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely could have worked either way. I think, I think they just wanted to, you know, make something that would really appeal specifically to the North American audiences mm-hmm. more than anything. So makes sense that they wanted to do yeah. a thanksgiving episode absolutely uh, one other little bit of trivia with that as well is in this episode uh you'll notice there is a specific engine being driven in the story about the boomers and the hobos yes uh that is in fact the same engine that is driven in billy's runaway train as well as in the family special queen for a day yes and that is the train i believe from the south simcoe railway that's right. Yes. It's just north of Toronto, um, which interestingly, it's almost Halloween as we're recording this. And uh, I rode the Halloween train there. That's the only time I've been there. <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> I was dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> My friend was the Big Bad Wolf. And oh, we um, love to see it. We rode the train. I know. Right. And they and they did a whole little halloween themed thing where they stop the train and there's like oh there's a ghost on the tracks and somebody can't you can see people outside with flashlights for those of you who don't know about it go check out the south simcoe railway go with your families bring the kids it's a really lovely um ride especially this time of year the fall colors and those heritage railways need any all the support we can get so yeah go check it out yes Please, please, especially, I mean, let's keep in mind the original spirit of of uh, the railway series and Thomas is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's meant to promote railways and especially the heritage railways. Yes. And they, it's all about they, giving. If there's anything we've they, learned from this episode, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> exactly. Give back. Keep the magic of the railroad alive by giving back to your local heritage line. <laughs> This message has been brought to you by... No. <laughs> um, neat. Neat. 
Yeah. Is there uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add about this episode before we move on to some ratings? Well, I have a few a few little tiny tidbits. This one aired in April, so just to confuse everyone even more, it's not even <laughs> nearly close to November, American Thanksgiving, and October, Canadian Thanksgiving. It's just like bent right square in between. But we have learned um, already that Shining Temptation has a history of not really giving a flying you know what about the airing order <laughs> um as we encountered last time with the which episode was it it was um uh was it do i hear which was airing on christmas day <laughs> that that would be it yes yeah. the very christmasy do i hear so uh obviously i don't pretend to know the intricacies of television production and air airing schedules but um <laughs> yes slightly unusual uh which again makes this yeah makes this a bit uh strange but still sweet and um, one thing that I that I discovered was a speaking of the boomer and the hobo terminology, and we don't I don't think folks use those terms as much now. Um, but I found a boomer and hobo terminology website. Oh yes, and it was on this site called the Hobo Nickel Society, and I was like, mm, sponsored by Schemer. Um, <laughs> And they had a really interesting sort of breakdown of all of the terms that were used uh, by, you know, boomers, hobos at that time on the railway. And it was just, it was interesting to see because we're going to talk about terminology in the next episode as well. Um, And I'll just, I'll go through the list here, for example. So we have um, the term alligator bait, which was fried or stewed liver. Too costly (laughs) now for hobos. So there's a fellow who maintains this dictionary um what else have we got here that's kind of colorful um axle grease anyone want to take it want to take a guess at what that refers to mike axle grease well i mean if i if i had to guess uh based on the context clue from alligator bait being meat uh would it be perhaps oil or some sort of fat for cooking said beef in oh my gosh you're a genius you looked at the you looked at the encyclopedia already, didn't you? I did not. Don't sell me out in front of our audience. <laughs> um, we have a very, a very intelligent man here. It is butter. You, oh, you, okay. you nailed it on the head. So, sometimes also called plaster. In addition to access yes. I, I love these terminologies. <laughs> it's, you know what? It For anyone who wants to look at this, it is on a site called hobonickels.org. We do not endorse the website, but... You can look and check it out if you like, um, and just be aware that a lot of these are slang terms, and some of them may be a bit out of date or derogatory right. now, but looking at it from a cultural context, you'll find a lot of interesting little tidbits about railroads um, and, and the history behind these um, these terms. So as somebody who I did my major in English, um, I'm a bit of a geek in terms of that stuff. So yeah, check it out um, and and you know learn a few new things. I don't know if they would have used different terms. I imagine they would have used different terms if they'd done this episode now. I don't know what they would have been, but um, yeah, interesting to think about. Very interesting. Uh, What would you rate this episode, Mike, out of 10, do you think? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and uh, this is a tough one. I think think I'm going to settle on an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, nice. my reasons being, uh, to, to kind of get the negatives out of the way, as you highlighted, I think the plot point of schemer, uh, getting on the train and Billy having to run after and get him, it, it 
does feel a bit rushed. And it's also kind of strange that, you know, Billy rushes off to rescue him and the kids go, what's going to happen to Schemer? And yeah. Stacy basically goes, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Let's go. We're going to be late for dinner. And then they just rush out of the station. <laughs> and there's not, That's there's not, not really giving. much resolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Schemer's gotten lost on trains a couple times now, too. He, he's he got some really bad luck. I feel like one of the, maybe at the season finale, they should have uh, done an episode where he actually had a successful train trip for once in his life. That would be nice. That would have been wholesome, right? Yes. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so there's that plot point. Uh also, of course, I mean, the awkwardness of the editing of the Thomas episode brings it down for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't I don't want those two to be the things that I harp on as much because really the rest of the episode is so beautiful. I really, really love that it's a bit more focused on Billy. Mm-hmm. I love that he he gets his his reward in the end. He does all these very selfless acts for people. Um, and they even, I really like how they wrote at the start when JB King is asking him to see if he can fix another engine. And he brings up that he wants to get to this party. Yes. And the moral is reinforced that, you know, you got to think about other people too, because they're trying to get home. So it it shows that Billy's not this 100% perfect character, but with a little bit of prompting, he can turn it around and really show that, you know, he, he cares about everyone and he's willing to put others' needs before his own. And that does get rewarded in the end. Yeah. Which is I, I Of course. Yeah. And it, it's such, as I said earlier, I think the ending scene of everyone slowly coming back into the station and yeah. you, you just hear the joy in, in Billy's voice that all his friends and all these people he knows have showed back up just to have Thanksgiving with him so he wouldn't be alone. I really love that ending. It's really nice. Well, and... If I recall correctly, it was a great honor that he was asked by the Boomers and the Hobos, right, to join the dinner, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Um, of course. So it's almost, it's nice that, like, he got that recognition just in the ask, but then could still be with his friends. Um, It almost, it didn't necessarily matter by the end, right? Exactly. Exactly. What would you rate this, Adrian? Um, I would give it a, I wasn't totally... Yeah, I would give it a seven and a half um, for mm-hmm. me. I um, it's like a it's a solid episode. I I like the heart of it, especially at the end. I like, like you said, seeing a bit more of Billy. Um, I really love Mister C's little <laughs> appearance. Oh my under gosh! The, yes, under the thing and the kids. I enjoy seeing kids being kids, and you know, again, it's just a reminder. You see them like you know people have left food on the table and they're picking up the things and looking inside and like smelling it. And it's like, that's not very hygienic. And you know, they're going like, ew. And you're just reminded like these kids are kids. They're being kids. They're doing their thing. Um, and then Mr. C kind of joins them. And, um, you have a Becky not really understanding what Thanksgiving's about and probably being a bit confused by schemer. And then by the end, um, she, she has a sense of what it's about. Uh, I do feel like her line is a little forced, at the mm-hmm. end when she's like, oh, now I know why Thanksgiving is so great. Um, as sweet as it is, I was like, <laughs> I don't think that was entirely necessary um, mm-hmm. because I think we really do get that sense of warmth at the end anyway. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's like a simple but sweet episode. Not not like doesn't rank super high for me, but it's also great. Yeah, it's a great comfort watch. And and yeah, I, I, I will give props to again, much like with uh, with Schemer and the jukebox band. You can tell they started having a lot of fun with 
George and Mr. C in this season. Yes. I feel like they have him in much more outrageous outfits and circumstances and this episode reveal where he's underneath the the food bowl and <laughs> very yes. innocently he says, I was just seeing what it was like from the turkey's point of view. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he keeps it fresh for me because they he have does. him doing different things and different outfits and different places. There's a lot you can do with him because of his size. So they did that really well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really appreciate that. You know, it, it's ironic that being a comedian, George's delivery in these funny instances isn't always like over the top comedic. It's no, very genuine. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why I always liked him because I believed him. Yes, absolutely. That's a that's a big selling point on his uh, his Mr. C for me, for sure. The following is a paid advertisement from Ginny of Farmer's Dell. Hey, hey, hey. What do you say? It's Ginny's apples, fresh from Farmer's Dell. Can't you just taste them? Wasn't that good? Well, then, come on over after the show and pick a bushel. Ginny's Orchard is open 24 hours a day. All you need is a flashlight. Hey, 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 Ginny always says, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Hi, I'm Mike O'Donnell, one of the composers of the original Thomas the Tank Engine theme, and I'm here to tell you that I have released a selection of re-recorded themes and songs from the classic shows in a series of albums called The Engine Themes. These albums include a variety of classic themes and songs from the original TV series, as well as a few new compositions. You can purchase these albums on CD or digital download, as well as posters and pin badges. Have a look online at modmusic.co.uk. And for a special offer for Right On Track listeners, you can use the special code ROT20 for a 20% discount on all digital downloads. Be sure to enter the code when making your purchase. Thank you for your support and happy listening. Take care and stay safe. Okay, folks, welcome back. We're going to move into our next and final episode of season three that we are looking at today. And it is... The 19th episode called Mysterious Stranger. Uh, this is one, the one that I chose. It's a fun one. Um, we start off seeing the circus conductor as the circus train leaves town. Um, and he's sort of hurriedly getting all his stuff together. And you see that he's cut, you know, a little forgetful, which is important in the story. Um, and then uh, they leave and quickly things begin missing in Shining Time Station. Um, Mr. Conductor can't find his catch pad. Stacy can't find her cap. Um, and then you start seeing these mysterious, <laughs> mysterious shadow <laughs> on the wall, which I didn't necessarily always see as a kid. And now I look, it's like so funny. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, spooky music and basically, you know, the folks at Shining Time Station surmise that there is a thief. Uh, around the station that must be taking all their things. And so Billy and Stacy decide to stay overnight to catch the thief. And the kids want to stay, but Stacy says, no, no, no. Um, this is a grown-up thing. You belong at home. And so the kids go, 
but they don't really go, as we find out. They hide out and uh, scare Stacy half to death, uh, hiding in the arcade. And um, then they're all there. And then, of course, we have Schemer up to his usual antics, <laughs> trying to catch the thief, although trying to scare them <laughs> as well. Just doing it's, it's crazy stuff. Um, and in the end, Mr. Conductor sheds a little light on the situation, literally turns on the lights, and uh, they find a pile of other missing things. And then Schemer with Felicity, the monkey from the circus, who has been gathering all their things. Um, and it's quite a lovely ending. You see the circus uh, conductor coming back, uh, the ringleader or whatever he's called, and, uh, you know, says, oh, I hope she wasn't too much trouble. And Stacy says, oh, we had a fun time monkeying around with her. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always enjoyed this episode because it it was a fun one. It felt well-paced because we just get right into the story right away. Um, right. it's mysterious, you know, we also get to see Shining Time Station at night again. And I always like those episodes. Um, mm-hmm. we get to see Stacy being afraid and, you know, um, the grownups deal with a potentially scary situation of somebody they think might be stealing or, you know, doing mm-hmm. something wrong. Um, it was interesting watching it back though. I was thinking the kids are like a thief. It, like they make it sound like such an obscure sort of evil thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, yeah, who would this thief be? What kind of thief would, you know, that, you know, that's, I, I'm, I'm from more of a social work mindset. So I'm always a bit curious about, you know, whereas when I was a kid, I was like spooky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, those are my kind of initial impressions. What, are, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I agree. The Shining Time episodes where nighttime is involved were, they were so few and far between that when you got to see them, it was like, you know, oh, this is kind of mysterious. Like, what what could be going on in the station at night? Um, I definitely have distinct memories of this one as a kid. Really? Very specifically, I always think of, whenever I think of this episode, I immediately go to uh, Schemer showing off all his methods of how he's going to catch <laughs> the thief with the net and the uh the soda the exploding the soda. soda the soda the soda my the soda my friend <laughs> that's such a good moment i I really cracked up watching that again the oh, other he's night so funny <laughs> i really love how he's he's just so determined that it's gonna work he goes you aim at the criminal and fire <laughs> i know completely blows back <laughs> oh i know he's gonna and then oh. and then i love how he's like oh next time i'll get grape soda and he goes like he just makes these really funny noises and he's yeah, very yeah, theatrical. He's, oh, oh, I love Brian. He's he's so good at really playing up the scene when it when it calls for it for sure. Oh, me too. And uh, a small note, I just want to give it up to uh, Tom Jackson for the absolute drip in this episode. <laughs> Billy Two Feathers dressed to the nines in the engineer clothes would really, I, if I could scoop some of those up, I think it'd be a fit. Well, I will say. I I did contact um, Tom and his agent recently um, because, as some of you know, I'm doing a display um, at the end of November, American mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, and I wanted to see if he had any things he could contribute, and sadly, he did not keep anything from the show. Oh, no. I know. Sorry to... I mean, that doesn't mean that some of these pieces might not still be floating out there in a costume shop or a thrift store somewhere, but... 
I was like, come on, man, not even like your Billy Engineer sweater or like shirt. Come on. Oh, or your man. bandana. Well, <laughs> you know what? It's it's time to go DIY. I got to make this happen. Oh, my God. I would <laughs> love for you to be Billy for Halloween. And um, <laughs> he's, correct me if I'm wrong, he's wearing like this like, is it like a brown sweater and like an orange undershirt and his belt? Is that or what is it again? Yeah, he, he's got like a... I don't even know how you describe it, but I just remember he's got this like really red shirt underneath and he's got the yeah. boots and the pants and oh my God, it's just, oh, it's a drip. It's you, a real drip. You, I love, I love your love of Billy's clothes. And I think, I, yeah, I, we need to, this needs to happen. Um, Billy's fashion sends me. <laughs> Absolutely. People are like later in life people are like mike what inspired you to dress the way you do you'd be like well billy two feathers billy two feathers <laughs> baby <laughs> oh my god um on that note i really enjoy billy and stacy's characters in this episode i like their dynamic and i particularly like their conversation when billy stops and he says stacy i want to ask you a question and i want you know i want you to be serious um are you afraid? Is that what he asks her? Yeah, yeah. He's he's basically says, you know, I want to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. And he just says, "Are you afraid?" And then Stacy goes through, uh, you know, "Am I afraid of the dark? No. Sitting in the dark, maybe. Of a thief? Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I like their pairing. I like how they." you know, talk to each other, support each other. I like her honesty as an adult being scared. Mm -hmm. And then we get Mm -hmm. to see her really being scared by the kids because she is such a, the supportive um, motherly figure. And then we get to see her being vulnerable and, and afraid for her safety and afraid for the Mm -hmm. other people in the station's safety. So, you know, and also, you know, Stacey's badass. Can I just say, she's like, she I, is. Mean, I mean, well, okay, sorry. I shouldn't say badass because I would not recommend people, like, if they think there's a thief or somebody breaking into their house to just, like, wait for them at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that per se. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Stacey's badass. She's like, this is my station. I'm going to protect it. And she, exactly, you know, with Billy at her side and she's just like there and, you know, confronting people in the darkness. She's brave. She really is. I mean, that's if not a little daredevil, <laughs> a little bit daredevil. Yeah. She, you, you don't want to mess with Stacy Jones. No, you do not. Um, she is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Take note, folks. Take note. That's right. That's uh, right. She, <laughs> um, yeah. So. Moving into some of the details, I am a big fan of the Picture Machine song. Yes. Uh, Everyone's afraid of something, so don't (laughs) be afraid of your fears. It's very, yeah, I I won't sing the whole thing for you, but I could. Um, (laughs) Write in the comments if you'd like that to happen. But it's it's catchy (laughs) and it's odd. It's one of those earworms that I'll like kind of come back to. It'll just be in my mind sometimes. And um, the take a deep breath and count to 10. I quite enjoy that song, and I really like the cartoon segments that they use, the uh, public domain ones. So we get we get some of this funny cat, uh, who I think is just afraid of things in general. 
Um, and it's in really funny situations. We get some segments from Gulliver's Travels, particularly at the end, um, mm-hmm. where this person comes across like a giant hand and then counts the fingers on it and then runs away scared. I always thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. And then this fish, that like the smoking fish, that obviously is an yeah. old cartoon, Small Fry. <laughs> um, so I like the combination of cartoons and uh, I just enjoy that uh, that song because it has that like ooh spooky but also funny and you can you know you can face your fears and also to be honest like the take a deep breath and count to 10 like teaching kids coping strategies i'm like good job shining time like that's pretty solid for the 90s it's it's Um, great advice (laughs) i mean i mean it's stuff like i mean we do what five figure breathing and all all this stuff now box breathing and stuff but uh, that's great um I, i have to hand it to them what do you think of it yeah, I mean, it's. I, I will say it's not my favorite Picture Machine song, but mm-hmm. it definitely is catchy. It sticks with you. Yeah. You remember it. Yeah. Um, and I agree. The use of the cartoons, you know, sometimes the cartoons in the Picture Machine can feel a bit random, and it doesn't always feel like it oh, totally matches up with the song. Random. But yeah, but I feel like basically everything here works really well with the motif of the song. And as you mentioned, I think. You know, when I think of this song, I always go immediately to the end of the uh, where they're showing the scene from Gulliver's Travels, where he's counting to ten on the giant's hand, and that oh yes. man, uh, yes. that sticks in my mind so much from when I was a kid. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a very striking visual. Everyone's afraid of something, so don't be afraid of your fear. Take a deep breath and count to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And soon it'll disappear. So the kids listen, they they um, dare each other to watch this picture machine uh, story. Uh, when they're all in the station at night, and of yes, course when absolutely. when Stacy's off calling the parents, <laughs> um, and it's <laughs> interesting we never do see the kids' parents, but um, I often wonder how they feel about their kids being at a train station so much. Um, you know, <laughs> Stacy's almost like the surrogate mother to them all, and I wonder if the parents are like, "You can't spend all the time down there." What are you thinking? Do these, do these kids ever go to school? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, it's very, it's you know. It's it's a good question. Even it being a fantasy situation, I wonder sometimes. Um, <laughs> on the note of the Thomas stories, uh, I like at this point in season three, like you know these episodes. It's it's Henry, um, Henry in the tunnel, and then Henry getting out of the tunnel. Um, Correct. It uh, it seems tired to me at this point. I'm just like I'm fast forwarding. Like I love, I love series one of Thomas. Don't get me wrong, but by with you know at this point, how how many times these particular stories have been repeated? I just start to get bored. Yeah, I I would agree with you there, and it's definitely a case of you know as you get later in season three, they're definitely kind of I don't want to say scraping the bottom of the barrel because it's not like they're bad stories, but it's just that you've seen them all before at this point. And, and they're pigeonholing you know, some of them in, I feel. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Um, and uh, I don't know why this sticks out to me so much, but after um, 
for for those of us in North America who use the uh, North American titles after the end of Come Out Henry, uh, when the kids ask if Henry gets out of the tunnel, Mr. C says, Henry just needs some quiet time. And I just always kind of roll my eyes at that. I'm like, oh, way to make it like super kidsy with that line. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a little, yeah, it's a little much. Henry got out of the tunnel and he wasn't afraid anymore. That's because he learned there was nothing to be afraid of. And because he had some help from his friends. Yeah. I mean, the stories are, again, the, the Thomas stories they use right up to the end are still great stories, but it's just, I don't know. You, you really start to tell that, like, if they had some new stories to work with, as you mentioned in the previous review, if they had timed it more for when maybe season four was starting to air and they could have integrated some of those stories, yes. um, I think it would have helped it to feel... A bit more fresh overall as opposed to just retreading old ground absolutely and because we get you know two different narrated versions of like most of the repeated episodes so mm -hmm. um i know that the producers were well aware of that problem and there wasn't much they could do about it given i think the cost to of shooting thomas and that they could only you know do so much at a time i know series three was partially funded by was it fuji Japan? Yes, Fuji Television. Yeah. yeah, so I know Brit was making a lot of um, the money for filming Shining Time off of her, you know, self-funded ventures, the Thomas merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. But I know she had to mm -hmm. look for funding elsewhere. And, and again, it was very expensive to shoot. So they didn't get around to, you know, um, Series 4 and, and 95. Um, mm -hmm. And... It's it's just a shame that didn't line up, but I think they also had to strike while the iron is hot with Shining Time, and it was really popular. I mean, this is series three, sorry, season three. Um, we'll be interchangeably using series and season. That's right. <laughs> um, it really was at the height of its popularity. People were, Definitely. you know, you know, lining up to you know do these meet and greets uh, with the cast. Mm -hmm. um, it was hitting its, I think, highest viewership of about seven and a half million viewers a week, which is a lot for a show. It's um, huge. It was really popular uh, at the time. So they're also contending with that. So I assume they wanted to keep, you know, keep shooting. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the Thomas stories. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sorry. Love series one of Thomas and their classic stories. I mean, in and of themselves, I, I, I do well as a kid, even I sometimes got bored, but I, they are very classic and I enjoy them um, in, in their own right, but not in mm -hmm. the context of this episode. Yeah, it's I mean, it's odd because like, I feel like I can watch these series one and series two Thomas episodes. Like if I watch it on like a standalone VHS. Yeah, it, it's no problem. But absolutely. When I watch it for some reason, when I watch it in the context of Shining Time, I'm like, oh, this again? Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's sort of like, you know, when somebody tells you a story you're hoping that it's relatively fresh. Otherwise, it's like, you know, your grandpa being like, I remember this time. And you're like, oh, grandpa, I've heard this story like 80,000 <laughs> times, like not again. It's sort of yeah. like, you know, sort of Mr. C. It's like, oh, Mr. C. Like, because they'll be like, he's like, have you heard this before? They'll be like, I don't remember that one. I'm like, I do. <laughs> oh, my God. You yeah, know? that's that's the thing when, they, when he's like. You remember Henry, the big green engine? And they they all go, no. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Have you not been listening to anything I've been saying for the last two years? You kids are supposed to be learning things in school. Are you not retaining? And it is quite funny when you think about it. Um, especially because, yeah, they, they'll say things like big green engine. I know partly that was um, 
Dr. Ron Slaby, helping mm-hmm. kids remember the engines and, the per, you know, really giving them different personalities. But again, kids are smart. You don't need to do that every time. It's like when they, in the hit era, when they start like, you know, Gordon is a blue, big blue express engine and he goes mm-hmm, fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> if we're watching this, believe me, for as many seasons as we have, we know the characters, even yeah, though, exactly. even though, sorry, we are adults. But even as a kid, I know I would got tired of that. Um, oh, yeah. Even as a kid, I was like, just please just jump into the story. I beg you. And if anyone who is like not in the fandom or outside of the Shining Time Thomas world uh, is listening, please take note. Don't dumb things down for kids. The minute you do that, the minute you're just telling them that they're not, you know, that they're not intelligent enough to understand what you're trying to convey, the amount that they can process and and integrate. And that's not to say, like, you should be, you know, oversharing adult matter with kids. But I mean, in terms of them understanding concepts um, and like intuiting feelings, they really can. So just, yeah enough with the <laughs> with some of the repetition because it just comes across as patronizing um that's my rant yes that is and, sorry and, that is my therapist rant and to paraphrase uh wilbert audrey the author of the original thomas stories you're not only writing for kids you're also writing for the adults who either have to read through it time and again or have to sit through the stories on tv with the kids so yes you you have to you know i i think that and I, I mean, I, not that I'm an expert by any means, but when you're, when you're writing, I feel like if you approach it specifically as you're writing for kids, uh, I think that can lead you down a path that maybe doesn't get you to the best outcome in terms of a story. Mm-hmm. I think if you just act as if you're writing for yourself, write it as something that you would enjoy, obviously keeping in mind, you know, certain things probably shouldn't be. And if it's for a younger audience, yeah. Uh, but as long as you're enjoying it and it's entertaining you, kids are probably going to be entertained by it too. They don't need specific child stories. They just need good stories. I couldn't have said it better. I, it makes me think of that quote from Mrs. Doubtfire when, um, when Daniel is talking to his new, potentially new boss saying, don't, you know, the, the kind of motto here is don't play dad to kids. If it's something that you'd enjoy, they'd enjoy. Exactly. Yeah, we really, we really, I think, undersell kids and they deserve a lot of our respect. And just on a side note, Mike is an incredible writer. So, oh, I, and no, it really, um, for those who aren't aware, he's, you know, written an incredible collection of stories. And I was at first when I <laughs> started chatting with him a bit starstruck because I was like, oh my gosh, it's Mike. But um, oh. <clears throat> I'm hoping, no, and I, I love hearing your perspective on writing and i hope we can maybe weave some of that in you know continue to weave that into our episodes here um for our listeners like tips suggestions you know just things that you notice about the writing in the show we have a lot of different writers coming in um, definitely yeah so it's, it's it's cool to hear well thank you i'm glad to offer the perspective and <laughs> in any way i can <laughs> no please do um and just to comment on, um, just before we move into uh, kind of our trivia and ratings, uh, the song the jukebox puppet band sings, which is Waltzing Matilda. It's a very interesting Australian folk song. And as a kid, mm-hmm. I remember being sort of entranced by the lyrics and knew there was something spooky because you have this ghost coming through at the end. But mm-hmm. um, I did a little research on this, uh, what is known as a bush ballad in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um so, <clears throat> 
I feel like, sorry, for those who watch Red on Track, I feel like I'm having a Connor Jonas moment where he has this little, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I've, I looked this up. So the title this is a certified <laughs> Connor Jonas moment. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, brought to you by Time to Shine. Um, so the title Waltzing Matilda was Australian slang for traveling on foot, i.e. waltzing with one's belongings in a Matilda or a swag slung over one's back. And this particular song tells the story of an itinerant worker or a swag man making a drink of Billy tea at a bush camp and capturing a stray jumbuck, which is also known as a sheep, to eat. Um, and when the jumbuck sheep's owner, a squatter, and three troopers, who are mounted policemen, pursue the swag man for the theft of the sheep, he declares, you'll never catch me alive and commits suicide by drowning himself in a nearby billabong which is a watering hole after which his ghost haunts the site <laughs> so <laughs> it's very dark but i i hand it to the folks who were you know the shining time team <clears throat> and steve horlick who did a lot of the music and whoever chose the songs because i love folk songs and i love i loved the folk music element of shining time Yes, and here we're hearing about, you know, an Australian kind of folk tale. And it's, it's loaded with all this slang, so you don't really get it, but you know what happened. He's running away, and you know that he dies in the billabong. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I just found that interesting. And I, I like their rendition of this song. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty. And because Tito says, like, oh, let's, you know, no use being afraid. You know, let's let's play something and maybe we'll feel better. And it's ironic because they play like kind of a scary song. They do, they do. <laughs> and there's a ghost at the end, so I'm like, mm. you could have been, you could have done like a lullaby. But <clears throat> I quite enjoy that song. Who'll come a waltz in Matilda, my darling? Who'll come a waltz in Matilda with me? Waltz in Matilda, need in a water bag. Who'll come a waltz in Matilda with me? The swag man, he got up and jumped into the water hole Drowned himself by the Kulabar tree And his ghost may be heard as it sings in the billabong Who'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me? Who'll come a-waltzing Matilda, my darling? Who'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me? Waltzing Matilda Any thoughts on it for you? You know, I I did not know any of that background knowledge that you just laid on me. Yes. But in spite of that, I always really enjoyed this rendition of the song. Uh, mm -hmm. Even not knowing what any of the lyrics actually meant. I just think that the rendition is beautiful. Uh, Rory Dodd singing is fantastic. Yes. Uh, 
it, it this one again this is another jukebox performance that really sticks out in my mind and just it, it's so well done and it it does fit the theme of the episode very yeah. well you do have the involvement of something spooky in there so yeah i think it's it's a really it's a great choice to have in the episode and a great rendition for yeah. sure and it's interesting because just to touch back on our theme when i was saying like oh we can just sort of talk about thieves as these people that steal but like are they impoverished you know what were their what kind of circumstances do they come from why what is making forcing them to steal and here we have a story of somebody who it sounds like is you know a he's basically a, a, a migrant worker doesn't have a lot of money stealing a sheep for food and then mm-hmm. and then committing suicide um as he's being chased by the cops so <laughs> it's it's an interesting <laughs> story because you know it it's when you when you really look at what it is it's like oh that's not really spooky it's a little, just a little sad maybe um mm-hmm. and sorry no, <laughs> too like political but actually sorry i'm not gonna apologize for that i just i think it's important to think of these little social uh elements i guess i should say i agree and just to touch on a little bit of trivia this is the first episode where the jukebox band acknowledged mr conductor when they talk about him missing his pad because tito is oh so concerned about his nickel collection um yes and he's talking to slots who is a pig as it turns out i thought he was a cow as a kid but when I was doing the podcast, they're like the pig. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because um, <laughs> he's very large and just says, rat. Yeah. Rat. <laughs> I don't really know. He just, I guess, just hangs out in Tito's vault and guards the nickels. I don't know. Um, I but, didn't know that he actually had a name. Yeah, that's uh, according to Craig and Olga, slots. And I, I bet they still have slots because they've kept a lot of their props. Um they probably have him around somewhere. Um, I love when he's talking to the Nichols. Side note, Tito, and he's like, uh, "I'll come back later, my little darlings. Will you be <laughs> okay?" And then she's like, "Tito, I'm pretty sure that's the that's this is the right episode, right? Where he does that." Yeah, yeah, yeah that is. Yeah, so I enjoy I enjoy his obsession. It mirrors schemers uh, quite nicely. Another little tidbit. Um, there are a few, couple tidbits that came up in the podcast. One being. Um, that Mike and I were chatting about earlier that the monkey hand turning off the lights uh, and knocking over the phone at the front desk is in fact Danielle Marco's younger sister's hand dressed up like mm-hmm. a monkey because it was small enough to do that task on camera so that is a little cameo from her I don't know if she was in the credits but good job Danielle's younger sister and her hand <laughs> um, and we also hear from Rick Sigel Co that this was uh likely the episode where the monkey got loose and climbed up into the lighting grid and was throwing <laughs> monkey-like things at the uh at the crew <laughs> and it had to be coaxed down with some kind of food rick seemed to remember it was maybe a banana or something <laughs> but i thought that was quite comical because uh it's just you never know what's going to happen on a set but that was one of rick's recollections and i'm sure it was probably stressful at the time like funny to look back on but you know when you're dealing with you know everything needs to be done yesterday uh and studio time and you know the costs and all that so that's my there's, trivia there's just something about this place isn't there <laughs> there absolutely is it's oh i also said to him it's it's quite poetic that um that it's a monk like there's somebody in the station causing trouble and the fact that the actual monkey got loose and was causing trouble on set um <laughs> was kind of poetic 
I agree. Yeah. Any trivia on your end? Uh, I don't think there's any trivia on my end. I think this is, if I'm getting my uh, my counts right here, I believe this is the third time that a circus or a circus train uh, has come to Shining Time Station because we had it in Is This the End uh, with Jerry the Juggler. We, of course, had it at, again, the season finale of season two, All's Fair, when the uh, the circus performers come through for the county fair. And again, now we've got a circus train in season three. I mean, circuses are fun. And I think there's something about them coming through Shining Time because I guess the, you know, just the, the spectacle of it. Um, we've had we've had jugglers and clowns and stuff come on before. Um, but it, it I think it adds an element of excitement and something that kids can get, you know, thrilled about. And interestingly... The, one of the original premises, uh, I think, for... Now, was it the film? The Shining Time film? I can't remember, but... Yes, yes, it was. Was Schemer getting on, like, a circus train or something, get captured by these guys, and he gets shot out of a cannon or something? Do you remember that? Yeah. I, I believe, if I remember the brief details correctly, that, yeah, Schemer was getting fired out of a cannon at one point, and then... I don't know how they were going to make this work, but apparently the evil ringleader captures Mr. Conductor. That's it. And the uh, the kids and the engines from the island of Sodor have to band together to save him. I don't know how they would have made that work, but then again, Thomas and the Magic Railroad exists. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Again, you're you're getting. I, I think I think what Shining Time does well is it does navigate the world of shining time station and thomas kind of well and i think it's as much as that crossover can go they didn't mm-hmm. push it a little bit on the family specials where we see more stuff outside but they don't cross it with the engines and i appreciate that actually i think that mm-hmm. works well mm-hmm. so when you change that i think it starts to get a bit goofy and confusing especially when you think about it things does. like size and whatnot but yeah i agree yeah, I think it's like overall for me, it's a fun app um, and it gives me kind of similar schemer goes camping vibes a little bit. I almost chose that episode because it's another sort of nighttime one and it has mm-hmm. fun little stories and whatnot. But I, I opted for this one just because I uh, I think it was just, uh, uh, yeah, pretty sharp overall. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. What would you give this episode in terms of an actual rating? So I would give it a solid eight. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it when it came on as a kid. I like watching it again now. Like when I got to rewatch it for, for this, uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was just fun. It's a fun episode to watch. That's how I feel about it. You know, it's like I said, yeah. it's, it's well paced. You got some good songs. Um, you might skip through the, the Henry stories, but, um, uh, overall a nice little package. Um, and I think. For me, it's like, yeah, for me, it's one of the better episodes of, of season three, kind of when it gets it right and when the writing is good and when it's well mm-hmm. well pulled together. What about you, Mike? You know, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I think I'll give it an eight as well. Uh, it It is a fun episode. Uh, you know, everything in the station itself is very well done this episode. Uh, Schemer, of course, uh, you know, his antics will always drive up the score in my books. Um, yes. We have a beautiful jukebox song, a wonderful picture machine song, which I've said before, I've always felt that the picture machine and the anything tunnel can be 
sort of hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, but this is an instance where it it really is a hit. So mm-hmm. it fits in well with the theme of the episode. I give them props for that. Um, everything just seems to be right on the mark with this episode, I feel. The score is dragged down a bit, of course, by, you know, we get those repeat Thomas stories, which, yeah. again, they're not bad stories, but no, they're great. it, it just it would have been bolstered a bit more if we had some, uh, quote unquote, fresh blood in the Thomas story department. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's really what kind of weighs it down for me. But other than that, I love the nighttime atmosphere and yeah. um, the vulnerable moments with Billy and Stacy. Those are kind of rare things that we don't see as much throughout the series. Yeah, and getting to see people get scared. It's always kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, in terms of Thomas' stories, like, if you had to pick some from season, from series four of Thomas, mm-hmm. what do you think would fit? Well, I think my go-to, and, and kind of keeping in theme with the original Henry stories that they chose, I think Henry and the Elephant would be a really good choice. Ooh, because yeah. Because it, it ties in not only the element of you know being afraid of the unknown but it's also got a circus in it which ties in really well to the shining time oh my god it would go so perfectly so it's one of these things i wish i could go back in time because it would have just fit like a glove good thinking i was thinking Uh, more of the narrow gauge i forgot about the standard gauge apps yeah i mean with the narrow gauge too i think that's a good question i don't know what don't even think about it because that one that you chose was so perfect (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, i don't think you can top that it's it i mean it has the circus it has henry being afraid of the tunnel of something big and scary in the tunnel um, yeah see and, and you know what i will say I've, I've mentioned this on a right on tracks episode but as a kid i actually remember being more frightened of henry and the elephant than uh something like ghost train or thomas percy and the dragon fascinating um the the moment in the tunnel where you see the horrified workmen and then the elephant raises its trunk at them in the darkness. I was always so freaked out by that as a kid. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> I watch it now and I'm like, I was scared of this? What? Why was That's this a very thing? Sweet. But... It's sweet though. No, I... Yeah, and I think it points psychologically to that, you know, uh, the better part of us, the biggest fear is the unknown. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that i think is kind of the theme here and also we get a reminder like don't lose yourself you know fear can be fear and anxiety can be helpful and they could it can also be overwhelming when where imaginations get ahead of us i mean they're thinking this is thief and all this and it's a monkey so there's a way that you can get carried away i think um and you know i don't know it's funny because even in the in the henry story you're talking about the workmen go inside and then they all run out um mm-hmm. <laughs> so we see adults and kids being afraid not being normalized but uh we also i think another uh kind of moral for this episode is just you know dot your i's and cross your t's because we have mm-hmm. we have the, the ringleader is a little forgetful which i can relate mm-hmm. to um and if he had <laughs> checked his list properly um felicity would have been on the train i'm not That's to say that it's not okay to make mistakes but um maybe don't rush take your time make sure the job is done you know right so that maybe you prevent (laughs) you you save some other people some some hassle some grief for sure Mm -hmm. hi i'm ken bianco jr from train world where we have the greatest selection of model trains and train sets 
We also are proud to carry Bachman's full line of Thomas & Friends products. With a large variety of different brands and scales, we have the best items for your model train collection. You can find Train World on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can see our latest products and even be invited to all our events like Thomas Tuesdays. Visit trainworld.com today to find your next addition to your model railroad journey. And we we were both we both chose eights, right? So this is a solid solid duck, right? That's right. Yeah, this I think this is the first instance where we have both given the same rating to an episode. The first time we unanimously oh. agreed. It is it, new it, ground it, has been broken. Yeah, it's, I was going to say our relationship is progressing. This had, <laughs> it, will, it will not be the only time we will completely agree. But um, <laughs> yes, and you know we are having a lot of fun doing this, and we hope that you're all enjoying kind of these you know taster general episodes and I, I know these episodes are a little bit longer because we're kind of doing a, uh, a season overview but i hope you can get a sense for what our episodes will be like where we you know review two at a time chronologically um and we're going to do a few more for you before we loop all the way back to our our heartfelt and beautiful uh season one of the show and um yeah stay tuned for next time because we will be doing a family special yes indeed and we are excited because I don't know. In many ways, they, to me, felt like the little, you know, movies that we never got. Because I didn't watch a lot of them growing up. I only saw one and briefly. Yeah. So it's a treat to go back and see the actors and the set a couple years later, a little bit different. Um, yeah. So it's great that that was able to happen and that we're able to review those for you. And uh, thanks to, you know, the uploads that Joseph did. And yes, of um, we're able to watch those in the best quality they've ever been. And notoriously, they've been like broken up into parts and really, really fuzzy. Uh, so we have nice new scans of those. So if you haven't um, checked them out, go and watch uh, the first one. And um, yeah, let us know what you what you think so far. Again, your comments are always welcome. What are your favorite episodes of uh, season three of the show. Um, what are you looking forward to us reviewing? Would you like us to have more guests? Cause we are thinking it'd be really nice to have some more folks on who worked on the show potentially. Um, Certainly. yeah. So keep that feedback coming and keep tuning in. Yes, please. We, we enjoy your, your extended, uh, viewership or <laughs> listenership, if you will. Uh, we enjoy the feedback as well. So please let us know what are you liking what would you say are your favorite episodes? And going off what we've discussed today, what replacement Thomas episodes would you choose for these episodes of Shining Time Station? We're very curious to know. Yes, yes, that's a really that's a really good point. And one thing I think we'll maybe also start weaving in is is talking a bit more about the morals. I know we've done that a bit, but how they fit, you know, with the Thomas stories and what we feel like the morals of the Shining Time episodes are, because they're often more subtle, or not more subtle, but it, I compared to other shows, a bit more subtle. Yes. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned because we've got some really exciting things coming. And thank you so much for joining us. See you soon, everybody. Bye. Bye.